All right. We are ready. All right, we're live. All right. Okay, everyone. Uh, welcome to the Remarketing Podcast, where we talk about everything real estate, uh, business, and marketing, or digital marketing, for that uh, for that matter. I'm your host for today. My name is Scott Slacker. I'm a note investor based out of New Jersey. I got started in the business about three years ago, and I'm very, very excited to welcome on today our guest, Scott Carson, who's been in this industry for a long time. Uh, he was actually one of the first names that came up when I actually heard about the note industry. So, like, I am super excited to have him on and to interview him and ask him questions. Uh, he's done over well over a thousand deals. Uh, it's been invested in over 30 of the states in this country and has raised over 50 million in capital. Uh, he's highly sought after guest and host for popular podcast, uh, The Note Closer Show. He's an active entrepreneur. He's an expert in real estate investing, marketing, and podcasting. He speaks regularly at uh, different events and industry conventions. Uh, that's actually where I, I, I met him in person at one point um, re regarding real estate, marketing, and podcasting. He also helps thousands of investors and entrepreneurs each year create wealth with his uh, debt buying classes, podcasts, and coaching. Um, he's, again, a, a regular podcast guest. He was recently named, well, not... He was named in 2002 the number four entrepreneur to follow. I don't know if there's more to add to that. That's 2000, two, 2022. If it says oh, 2022. 2022. Oh, that was, yeah. a, that was a thing. <laughs> Yo. So, wow, that, that's great. Uh, oh, my God. We're really excited to have you on. Uh, by U.S. News Reporter Magazine. And he's an avid sports fan, spends his time traveling, gardening, uh, making memories with family and friends and loved ones. And originates from Austin, Texas, which is uh, my first mentor in the space. Comes from Dallas, Fort Worth, which you and I both know him very well. Uh, another big name in the note industry. Um, so, uh, is there anything you want to add to that, Scott? Yeah, I think you got it pretty well. Uh, you know, we've—I've been an active, like I said, active real estate investor for over 20 years. No investor for over 15. Bought over a billion dollars is a stress to it. But, but the thing I think that separates me, I think from a lot of folks, kind of like you said, is that we really, uh, we, we embrace the marketing aspect, I think, than more than anybody else does in our niche. And it, it, it literally, I was when you reached out to me, I was like, oh, glad to jump on because no matter what you're in and for your listeners out there um, and your audience, you know, no matter what, if you're in fix and flips or uh, sell, run a hardware store or sell tiddlywinks or buy or sell notes or real estate, I think people these days have to realize one very important thing is, yes, you're in that. But before that, you're actually we're all in the media space these days in marketing and mm -hmm. uh, in such a loud world where everybody's you know competing for your earballs and your eyeballs. You really got to stand out. So I'm really, really uh, honored to be on here. I think it's great what you're doing uh, with the show and your co-host, stuff like that. So I think that's just one thing. If, if folks are listening here today please listen through. I, I, I'm here to give and I want to give you guys as many great little nuggets you can use to implement in your business um, digitally or marketing or whatever it might be. Great. Yeah, thank you. And that's one thing I've noticed about Scott throughout the years of watching his content. Uh, he's all about giving and helping people achieve their goals through real estate and investing. And I think that's, that's one of the, that's what I aim to do as well with my own business as I build it up over time. So uh, let me get into some uh, business, I guess, or industry type questions for a moment, and then we can move on to maybe something more personal. Um, so what is the most important lesson you've learned in the note industry over the, your entire career there? Like I started at wholesaling and moved to notes. Yeah, that's what a lot of people do. They get into real estate as a wholesaler, and that's kind of what we started back in the day was uh, I, I was fortunate enough to spend like four years traveling the country. Uh, pitching mortgages. And I learned from Ron Legrand and all the, his experts, stuff like that. And I had a four-year apprenticeship with my mentor, Bob Leonetti and Jamie Kayla, and then a very smart marketer by the name of Roland Frazier out of California. So I think the most important lesson I've learned is you've got to be flexible, um, especially as the market changes, you've got to learn to, I, I hate to use the word pivot, but you've got to learn to adjust or tweak your numbers, tweak what you're focused on. One of the biggest mistakes i made early on in my note investing career is I approached it like a fix and flipper in that I was in that I was didn't want to modify loans. I was, if I was going to buy a note, I was going to foreclose. They're deadbeat borrowers. They don't, they've had their opportunity. And I wish I would have gone back and modified a lot of those loans. Now looking back at the numbers, you know, hindsight's always 2020, not all of them would have been reperforming. 
or modified, but a big chunk of them would have that I wouldn't have to lay out a lot of cash. So uh, be flexible, learn what's going on. Um, you know, sometimes, you know, wholesaling is a great way to dive into a lot of things, but don't be afraid to change the dynamic of the conversation. Um, especially, okay. you know, because a lot of people, when you start wholesaling, you're selling to potential investors that are buying this. Those potential investors could be your funding partners. So I always tell folks like, look, wholesaling is great, but if you're going to wholesale, a good wholesaler is going to build a good list of investors. You might as well start marketing for private capital right off the bat. Cause a lot of those folks would gladly still make six to 12% passively if the deal allows that without having to deal with it, deal with toilets, tents and trash outs or having to do any of the heavy lifting out there. So if you embrace marketing and you've got a good deal and you know how to market, you can raise capital for that deal. So that would be one of the biggest things. I think what early on in my career, I've had that kind of limiting mindset and uh, I'm glad I adjusted it. That's interesting because I find that it's very, it's a very weird. We both have the same first name. And when I first got into notes and I started doing, um, just going to events and, and networking, I was called the note guy because no one else had a note guy. But that, that was actually one of my biggest things to learn in that space as well was that you have to be able to be flexible and adapt to the changing circumstances of the market. So for example, like we're going through a time right now where it seems like non-performance is like the thing. Like people are, I keep seeing it marketed over and over and over again to buy non-performance because we're in the middle of COVID. People have not been paying their mortgages. We have the forbearances. Um, yeah, it's, it's been interesting, but that the market, I think you're 100% like spot on. Like if you can't pivot or move and figure out what it's doing, you're, you're, you're dead in the water. Yeah, and, and here's the thing too. You got to. Everybody loves non-performing because it's usually bigger discounts. There's still a bit of a gap yeah. between what we as investors want to pay for the note versus what the banks and hedge funds want to sell that stuff at a discount. There's still a gap. So, but there's still plenty of non-performing out there, even before COVID, mm -hmm. uh, out there that's not coming back. And so, what we see a lot of people do, and I hate, I'm not, I'm, I hate saying this, but a lot of people that get into the note business, they get very lazy. When it comes to marketing, because they're they, they get hooked up with a couple hedge funds or note sellers that provide lists on a regular basis, and that's low hanging fruit that everybody's looking at. Mm -hmm. And and when those lists or companies go away, as inventory's gotten tighter, people don't market. Oh, like there's no there's no deals or Scott Carson or Eddie Speed. He's they're teaching too many note investors are getting the space and too much competition. I'm like, look, there's plenty of deals. We still mm -hmm. find deals. You just have to learn to market and and go online and and leverage LinkedIn or. Um, start targeting, you know, creating short videos, talking about what you're doing to attract potential investors or going to the county records to track down people that bought a note two years ago or 12 months ago or three years ago, because you and I both are buyers and sellers, right, Scott? We're always buying, always selling. Yep. And so if you take that same philosophy and go to the county records to find who's actually bought something, they're more likely to be a seller for you. So you also, many note investors, many real estate investors, we don't mind paying 12% for funding, well, in these days where it's gotten a little bit tighter on the return, you can't give 12% to your funding partners because it's going to eat up a lot of your profit. So you've got to reduce that number, go back to offerings, you know, six and 7% to investors who aren't doing anything. Because if they're not doing anything, they don't need to get something without doing any of the work. If they're going to want 12%, they need to go to the, do the work. But if you're going to do the work to find the deals and, and manage it, then giving somebody 6% passively to do nothing is really great, especially in a time like today where inflation is at six, 7%. And their money's been sitting there dormant for a year or two, not making anything or, oh, I'm sorry, let me rephrase it. They're making 0.01% in a savings account or- Oh yeah, I, I or, love that. I love bringing it up to people. You know what I mean? Yeah, or 1% or maybe in a certificate of disappointment as we like to say, CD, so. Yeah, I mean, there, there are some out there right now, uh, Aspirations, one that is offering a 1%, on a savings account, but that's the highest I've ever seen ever. And that's ridiculous. Yeah. When you look at the fees or other things involved with it, I mean, you're, I mean, technically infl inflation has always been at three or 4%. So you're all, if your money's not making it at least that you're, you're losing buying power. And now with, with things going on, you have to be, you gotta be active. If you're not gonna be active, Hey, 6% is great. Cause that's like 600% yeah. higher than what the banks are offering. And it's yeah. something, oh, definitely. you know what I mean? So those are the things that you definitely. Some things that people have to start thinking about differently and pivoting. Yeah, absolutely. So let me ask you this. Um, who, who's been your most important professional mentor? Like how did you go from 
doing real estate and then moving into doing notes. Like I have my own process. Love to hear about yours. So I left, uh, I left banking back in 2004 with a buddy of mine, Boyd Pops, and we started a mortgage company together. Okay. Uh, and our sponsoring broker was a, a guy by the name of Bob Leonetti and his business partner, Jamie Kalen. So he and she, for four years, I traveled the country doing mortgages and cash out refis for investors at all these conferences that Ron was, Grant was teaching or these workshops. So I literally like had an MBA in real estate education over that four years. So but that, while we were doing mortgages, Bob and Jamie taught me how to get creative with owner financing and terms and simultaneous closings and how to structure owner finances, but then also the non-performing side of the business because they had been in the previous term, they had been a mortgage banker and had to take some non-performing stuff back and structure that and get it all out. So I literally learned, had like this four-year apprenticeship from Bob and Jamie. And when everything hit the fan in the mortgage industry in 2008, I just left the origination side and then went out and started dialing for dollars and calling banks. And you know, it's wow. a, it's a it's a different market now than it was. You know, back in two thousand eight, nine, and ten, I would make fifty to one hundred phone calls three to four days a week to get a hold of these bankers that had non-performing notes, and then they would send me this lists. And we're talking it might be one note, or it might be like thirty-three page PDF with all these notes from these major banks. So if anybody ever out there tells you you can't buy direct from banks and hedge funds, that's a falsehood. You can. Doesn't matter how much money you have in the bank, the banks are interested in selling it. As long as you know what to say and what not to say and have a team, you don't have to have a lot of experience because you're putting experience with your team, your vendors, stuff like that. So that I would say Bob, Jamie, and then um, into that process of 2004 to 2008, they started partnering with a guy by the name of Roland Frazier, who is out of San Diego. He's one of the principals at Digital Marketer. If you don't know who Digital Marketer is, they're a company here in Austin, Texas, but they put on the, the North America's largest marketing convention every year called the Traffic and Conversion Summit. And we're talking 6,000, 8,000 attendees in, in marketing. Wow. So for a couple of years, I got to learn at the, at the knee of Roland, teach me all these creative marketing strategies and how to leverage video and all this other stuff. So I would say that that 2004 to 2008 period was one of the most instrumental when it came to marketing. And, and learning the note business. And then, like I said, I started, when I started calling these banks and using video and stuff like that, I, I would get a, a list in that I could cherry pick. And so I wholesaled my first note. You know, I bought a, a crappy property in Detroit for 500 bucks and I flipped it for scrap metal for 1500. I got a note, I got an apartment complex under contract from Capital One and, and wholesaled it for 35,000 30 days later. I got a 16 unit apartment complex, the note, by all means, not the property, but actually the note on those two. And wholesale that note for hundred grand profit and started just, that's what I started looking and started buying it. And then I started getting people coming like, man, these are great deals. I said, well, I better start sharing this stuff. So I started sharing videos of me, you know, going through due diligence and talking about what the deal was and, and feeling my, me walking some properties. And then that all has blossomed into, you know, I started getting offers to come speak uh, at different investment clubs. And I'd walk in like, Hey, people are like, Hey, you're that YouTube, you're that note guy on YouTube. <laughs> You know, and that happened like four nights in a row, one night in San Antonio, one night in Austin, one, one in San Diego, one in LA. And I was like, okay, that's kind of, that's where it kind of sticks. Cause it is a niche. I mean, right, Scott, it's a small niche yeah. when it, it comes to, comes to real estate investing. So it's the riches are in the niches, as they say. And that's, uh, that's, that's true. I was uh, from my local RIA. I was on a panel of note investors and they all asked me, cause I hadn't met them before. They're like, so what tree do you come from? Like, are you Eddie Speed? Are you like, they're like, it's a very small, like, because they didn't know who I was. Um, and I'm like, yeah, I, I started with Eddie and now I've, I've moved on to other things. But, you know, still, that was, that was my, my base education and everything. Um, I mean, that's, that's, that's interesting that your, your main thing was, it seems like you um, really focus heavily on marketing. Yeah, I think that's that's one of the biggest things. And we still do it to this day. You know, every morning I wake up and we say, okay, what are we marketing today? What aspect can we put in place that's going to work to get the word out we're doing? Something that we can almost like the whole um, set it and forget it aspect of things each day. You know, what mm -hmm. podcast am I on or what podcast am I recording? Or did like I, we've been doing a webinar called Note Night in America for 11 years now. Wow. And we do it at least 35 to 40 times a year, take some time off for holidays or stuff like that too. But you know, like that's Monday night, note night in America, 7 p.m. Central. I know what I'm doing. That's a great, you know, we're sending emails out for that on a Monday. And then like, I just, 
you know, right before we logged on here, the replay video went out to our database. And then we've got other videos there live streaming at the same time, because that's the thing is when I, when we do a marketing piece, video podcast, that's usually something that's going to be 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. It's going to get out there and keep feeding you. And a lot of investors, they don't understand that aspect because they come from a job where they've never had to market themselves. They got a job to show up. Yeah. They, had to, they had to do one yeah. activity. And the, and the whole idea of marketing scares them. Like, oh my God, I got, what am I going to say? And I'm like, listen, just start sharing simple things. What, what, what are you working on today? You know, what are you, uh, you know, what's, what's your focus? Talk about you. Why, why do people want to invest with you? Or what, what, why did you get into what you're doing? Simple, like these questions you're asking right. now are all great little videos that you could have in your profile. One thing I've been preaching to people for years to do because I wanted to give people a layup to do. It's like, hey, pull, go do short videos on frequently asked questions in the industry or terms. I'm like, you can go to my website or other Note Investors website and see all these FAQs or, or terminology do a short video on those. And I was always crack up. People would never do them. So I'm like, screw it. We're doing it now. And so we have done that. And we, that's one thing we're doing. Okay. Every day we got a little term of the day coming out. We got a little term of the day, just touch base. Cause here's the thing for everybody out there. Um, and we mentioned this before, everybody's a buyer, a seller, or a funding source, my big belief, but 80% of 80% of sales or conversions happens after the fifth contact. And most investors don't have the patience yeah to follow up with, you know, an, once, an email once a week to their database for five weeks or a posting regular on a regular basis and just sharing content before they actually ask for something. So um, I, I, should, I probably should throw Gary Vaynerchuk in there as a mentor as well out of New Jersey too. You might know. Oh who yeah, I love Gary V, man. Yeah, you know, you know, his book, Jab, 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 Right Hook, is, 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 I think is a, is a marketing Bible for most people getting started too. You know, I've never read it. I'm going to have to go ahead and read it. Oh yes, you need to go read it. It's it's a couple of years old, but so valuable there, Scott. I mean, it's uh, it's some of the you know some of the social media's changed a little bit. You know, Google Plus is no longer around and things yeah. are different. But it's still the value where you give, 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 and then ask for something. Okay. Yeah, definitely. It's funny that you brought up too, like closing the sale being like five interactions. That was one of the things Eddie taught me when I first got into it. it was like you're not closing a, a note deal the first conversation or the second conversation, it's going to be broken up across five conversations or, or whatever. And that's, what's actually going to lead the process down to you actually making a good investment, getting a yes, getting a, an agreed upon price. Yeah. All that. I was, it was very, I'm glad you came up with the same conclusion because I was like, I, I didn't even know because I had no idea where to start. Well, so we, we approach things a little bit differently. I'm, I'm more of going after institutional debt from banks. And Eddie talks a little about that, I know, but he's more about owner finance notes in a lot of cases. Yeah, yeah. Me, I I don't want to deal with mom and pops. Don't be wrong. I love them. I'll take a look at them. But it's much easier for me. What I do is we actually reach out and target banks directly. Um, And we target the the internal departments at banks that handle the note sales. And when I'm talking about note, I'm not talking about the property sales, but I'm not talking about our REO or buying the actual real estate. We're buying the first debt, but when we contact banks and, and, and reach out to one of four different department names, either special assets to, uh, department, the secondary marketing department, the chief credit risk officer's desk, or the whole loan trading desk, or portfolio managers, another name that's in the moves, we use we leverage LinkedIn to contact these asset managers, okay. and then we also leverage email because there's some different ways that you can download lists of asset managers from some different websites, oh. and we and and the whole thing about drip marketing is we send an email out at least once a month or twice a month in a lot of cases to a lot of folks and just touch base. And, and you got to get people to realize, Hey, these asset managers may have something, but when I get a bank to contact or reach out to me, it's not just one note. Usually it's usually a list of 10 or 50 or 900. Like we just got in that we can cherry pick wow. from. And it, it's a repeat business aspect of things. So I don't, I'm not spending a lot of money on direct mail that I it's, you're only going to see a small return on. It's all about digital. And as I say, digital marketing in the 21st century. And, and Scotty's here to beat me up and I'm giving her all she's got to help you market like, <laughs> like it's a new generation. Uh, that's, I mean, that's what I'm starting to learn now is the digital aspect of marketing. Um, zero background in marketing whatsoever. My background's in psychology and then um, uh, cybersecurity. So like marketing was not my thing. Analyzing things, I'm right on there. So when it comes to analyzing a no deal, it was great, but... Uh, the marketing part is something that I has I needed education on. Thankfully, the, the founder of this podcast—that's what he specializes in. So he's taught me so many things 
Um, so one of the things I think you actually have an advantage, Scott, is that psychology side of things. What are people thinking and being yeah. able be able to touch that hot button? Because people, if you, you get in a conversation with somebody and just ask questions, people will tell you what their motivation is or what's the, the, the pain. And the same thing with asset manager. Hey, what are you looking to sell? What's, what's going on? Are you trying to raise capital? You got some, you know, some of these deals have some hair on them. Are they problem children you want to get rid of? Have they made wow. your not you made your naughty list for you know, being naughty borrowers, not paying on time? You know, that's an important thing, but it's also too, is I think when it comes to marketing is you kind of, kind of tell a story along the way. Don't be afraid to tell your story and what attracts you into what you're doing, because there's other people, if you're going through something and have same questions or the same fears and same motivated factors, a lot of other people do too. And it's, and most people, unfortunately, they get really excited like a new puppy dog and they vomit, or as I say, get diarrhea of the mouth and throw up on people on the first time. You've got to share a little bit about what you're doing on. And one of the biggest mistakes we see a lot of new investors make is they don't, like I said, they don't realize it takes time, but just being consistent in what you're doing, consistent with an email once a week out to your warm market list and sharing it to social media. Once a week is not too difficult. And then just right. following up and um, a lot of people are like, well, what do I share? Well, it's pretty easy. I mean, there's basically four weeks, four to five weeks a month. Mm -hmm. And one of the things we always tell them, like, look at the calendar. And they're like, what do you mean by the calendar? Like, every month is a holiday, right? We have President's Day. We had Valentine's Day in February. Yeah. We got St. Patrick's Day, the one time year everybody wants to be Irish. You know what I mean? And you look at that. Well, that's one email out of the month, just wishing everybody a happy holiday or whatever it is. Okay? Or happy St. Patrick's Day, you know? Yeah. The second thing could be something that you're doing, like, hey, I'm going to a meetup group, or I'm going to an investment club, or I'm going to a conference, something shows that you're doing something different or educating or a book that you just read something that's would add true value third thing could be a past case study or a deal that you're working on now and the fourth thing could be hey i'm looking uh, for funding on this or hey i've got some opportunities or hey if you're you know there's a lot of great things and if you really approach it like that once a week what's going on well you can eliminate 25 percent of your marketing right off the bat make it easy because it's it's weak and stuff you look at your past case studies, deals you've offered on that you didn't close. You could tell that story about why you didn't close or what happened during due diligence. You could, you know, talk about something personal, trip, family. People love seeing that real, that personal side of things. I think so many people market all the time, like notes, 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 real estate. And people don't want to deal with a robot. They want to deal with, with people that have personalities. And it's okay to be unique and goofy and, and your own self. And like we, we found in a lot of our students, that a lot of them are actually uh, musicians or also like homeschooling their kids. I'm like, well, that's the great stuff to share. If there's a lot of people that are doing that, share that what you're doing this week or what your, what your difficulties are. At worst case, worst case, if you can't think of anything, you pull two or three articles on real estate and send an email out to your database with those interesting articles and, and you share a paragraph of why you thought this was important to everybody out there. So that's kind of the, the simple format because let, Rome wasn't built overnight and, you know, you right. got to build it. You know, that's what kind of why we have my, if you're listening to this, you can't see it, but my green screen is a, is a brick wall behind me. And it's, it's that right. way. Cause each day you're putting every time you send something out posting, you're building your wall, you're building your bridge one oh, brick at a time. And that's that whole aspect of this. It doesn't always have to be about notes, notes, notes. It's, it's more about what you are doing. And uh, one of the things when we, you, that you'll find interesting, Scott, is when we launched, when we were starting to think about doing a podcast, the Note Closer Show, we'd already been doing a lot of videos, but we were in Vegas at an event. And we saw, um, oh, um, well, who's a shark? Not, we saw Robert Hershevik, but also uh, the, the, the guy that likes to sell everything. You know what I mean? The, 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 the original Shark Tank. And he got up on stage and talked about, okay. hey, yeah, exactly. So. I was like, he got there and said, you got to start incorporating video in what you do with everything. This is back in like 2016, okay, six years ago. I said, okay, and this is the time that Facebook Live had just come out. So we went back and I told myself, I said, okay, we're going to do a video a day. We're going to do it live mm -hmm. and we're going to do it for a period of time. It may be three minutes. It may be an hour. We're just going to share what we got going on today. What's going on in life? If people want to be a fly on the wall, what are we doing on a daily basis? So we did that 150 business days straight. Okay. Okay. And that's, you know, almost six months of content every day. And it helped build a following 
but we just shared goofy stuff. We shared fun stuff that was going on and just, and built a lot of rapport. It built a following. So like, okay, now's the time to launch a podcast because we have this following engagement. People want to hear and see what we do. And always the most interaction wasn't just always about notes. It was if we were doing something fun or something stupid, or I was dressed up as Uncle Sam as 4th of July, or just being my being my goofy big old self there for you, people love that. And that, that helps people identify that if I can make fun of myself and have a jovial time and not take myself too seriously, then people will relax a little bit and realize, oh, I can actually be myself and, and have success as well. Yeah, that's true. We definitely, we um, respond to people. We don't buy from robots. We buy from people. The more human you can make yourself, the better. Uh, it's funny you brought up a lot of your students are musicians. Before even getting into any of that, I was actually a musician for a long time, drummer. Uh, <laughs> I love it. Hey, you know, I played the trombone in, in junior high and, and love music. I may not be much of a musician these days, but I think we love the, the, the beautiful sounds of a performing note. <laughs> oh, okay. oh, we all do. Oh, my God. Performing is the best. You can't beat a performing note. Uh, so that's what she said. Uh, no. <laughs> All right, so let me ask you uh, the next question. So what's one thing in the note industry that almost everyone disagrees with you about? Uh, <laughs> you have. Uh, wait, do we have? Uh, so one thing that a lot of people, there's always the, this is the thing that I, just infuriates me. And I'm, I'm, is when people tell you that they can't find deals. This just bugs the shit out of me. It aggravates yeah. the crap because I usually, there's two things I'll ask somebody when somebody says, well, you can't find any deals. I'm like, A, are you marketing to asset managers? Are you actually going after deals? And the right. answer to that usually is no. Okay. Are you sending an email out to your database on a, a weekly basis? No. Well, yeah. If you're not marketing to yeah. direct to banks, you're not going to find anything. It's like Lily sitting there. I'm waiting for the love of my life to show up and she's just going to come to me because I'm thinking about her. And that's the, that's the, biggest aggravating there's a lot of uh i could say you could say trolls or people out there oh i can't find any deals there's too many educators look if you know how to market and 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 understand and can go to up to the sources versus being lazy and yes banks will sell to you you just got to know what to say what not to say that's the biggest thing i would tell you there's plenty of deals out there whether you're going after institutional debt or you're going after owner finance those you just got to get off your ass and market and you still don't have to do put 40 hours a week into it if you Many an investor start off 10 hours a week and or work a little bit, you know, that, that, that side hustle from 7 p.m. to 2 a.m. with marketing and LinkedIn and emails. There's still plenty of opportunity there for you, even if you want to drop letters out. You just got to market and market on a regular basis. That's actually how I started. I was working a full-time job in behavioral uh, psychology and started part-time, you know, five, 10 hours a week and all that. And you're, you're absolutely right. Like, you have to get on the phone. You have, to, you have to get on the phone or you have to get in the email or you have to get on the social media or whatever platform and start doing things. If you don't, you get no response. You can't yeah. just, um, you can't just sit there and wait for something to come to you. That's not how things work. No. Uh, it's not how goals work either. You don't, you don't achieve your goals in general by just sitting down and waiting. You have to do something. Yeah. That's the whole thing. Let me sit down and wish in one hand and shit in the other one and see which one's going to fill up first. You know what I mean? Oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Uh, so let's move on to some personal questions. Okay. Uh, what's the best compliment you've ever gotten? Ooh, the best compliment I've ever gotten. Um, man. Um, I would, I would say one thing. Um, I, I was awarded the, the educator of the year in 2014 and the notes pictures was pretty cool, but the best thing is, is is success. The best compliment I get is when I see students of mine close on deals. Like I just had this guy, Larry. Um, he just closed on his first note deal. The guy, the seller wanted 15 grand for it. We got him down to 13. Nice. Um, we had a market. He actually sent out some, we, we showed him how to find local IRA investors in his neighborhood. So he, we helped him design a letter and he sent this letter out to 77 investors. Well, he has had 15 respond to him. In a matter of 30 days, he's raised a million dollars in private capital. Wow. Closed on this deal. It's worth, the, the property's worth 80. The borrower owes like 40. Hadn't paid in over a year. We said, okay, you, you closed on it. He put it was, it's not even with servicing. And in, in notes, you have a servicing company that collects payments most of the time. Well, the service hasn't even transferred yet. And we said, listen, contact the borrower with a letter. And tell them, here's what you're offering. Here's an option. Well, the borrower called yesterday or the day before 
and is already ready to modify, already to bring $2,500 to the table and start paying $100 extra a month to stay in the property or keep the property because it's a duplex that he's renting out at 500 a side. And the previous seller, the seller just had not really worked the deal. He was busy doing mm -hmm. other things. And right. now, now it's a phenomenal return on investment, not only for Larry, but he got cheap money. The investor that he borrowed the 20 grand to buy the deal, uh, he's only paying 6%. So he's only paying $100 a month to his investor. $100 a month to his investor, but he's going to be bring, bringing in $450, $460 like that on a monthly basis, wow. plus, plus $2,500 on the front end. So those are the things that just get me excited about more than anything else. It's a, it's a compliment when people go out and, and take action and end success. So that's the biggest compliment I get out of that is, is, you know, there's not enough people doing enough things. I think you really see, look at things only about 10% of people take action. And, yeah, that's true. Uh, you know what I mean? And so those that take action, I get really excited about. That's the biggest compliment is, is seeing people uh, grow success and, and accomplish dreams and that light bulb go off when they realize, oh, I can't actually do this to make things happen. Yeah, that's, that's wonderful. I, I love, I mean, the same thing when I talk with people as well, like when I, I, I when I was working in the behavioral psychology field, like that, I worked with mostly autistic children. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, I, on a daily basis, was getting them to do things that they weren't doing for their parents or their teachers and seeing people succeed. And the same thing when I talk to people about, uh, you know, real estate investing notes, I've done a, a number of studies in, in finance and, and all that sort of thing. And when I can break down for people these concepts so they understand investing and the light bulb goes off, like that's the best moment you could ever have. Is yeah. when they understand like, wait, money doesn't work the way I thought it did. Right. And notes, I, for me, it was the perfect way because it's, it's passive. Like you were saying, he made... He's making well, 400 a month passively. He made money on the front end. And if he wants to, he could sell it at some point in the future and make some cash. Uh, it's, it's really your chalkboard at that point. And when I first got it started in into wholesaling, like it was a second job. It was not passive at all. Yeah. And you needed a lot of like legwork to really make it work for you. Whereas notes, you still need to put in the work but it wasn't nearly as time intensive. And once it was set up, it was ready to go. So like my first note I bought three years ago and it was putting 200 into my business account every month. I didn't have to worry about it. I'm like, this is fantastic. He paid it off, but I've got to buy more, but definitely it was great. No, I was just going to say, that's the, that's the beauty about, I agree, wholesaling, you've got to basically go to work every day, every month to make it. If you can buy notes or something that's reperforming, that builds cash flow. That's really how you build long-term wealth is in that yeah. cash flow aspect of it. So yeah, kudos to you, man. That's awesome. Yeah, it's a great feeling. Yeah, I, I, I love it. I, I wholeheartedly agree. So here's another personal question. If you can go, um, if you can go back and give your 18-year-old self a piece of advice, what would it be? Ooh, 18-year-olds, I was straight out of high school getting ready to go play college football and I had an academic and FX scholarship. And I think the biggest thing is uh, you hate realize you don't know any, everything. I think a lot of us kids, when we're young, we think we know everything, we're invincible. And uh, I, while I was coachable, a lot of times I always say to people, hey, be more coachable, listen to people. You don't know everything yourself. And I think it's a lot, that's a hard thing for a lot of folks, uh, especially when I came into real estate investing the first time. I, I grew up in a small town, Ingleside, Texas. Like when I was li living there, it was like 5,000 people max down by Corpus Christi, Texas, okay? And my dad owned the local hardware store. So I grew up in the hardware store, fixing everything, being the weekend uh, laborer with electricians and plumbers. And so I've done anything from digging septic tanks, building houses all the way to, you know, fixing stuff as well, putting roof on. So when I got into real estate investing, I thought I knew everything. I was like, oh, yeah, I can fix it. I'm going to be your next next uh, landlord, lean lord, you know, landlords, I say. And I screwed up. I totally screwed up. And I, I took that, well, I know everything mentality when I should have been seeking out more coaches in the real estate yeah. space. And so that would be the biggest thing I tell myself, Hey, you're not going to know everything. Uh, seek, seek guidance. Don't seek, don't seek advice, seek counsel. And there's a big thing that's difference out there. Everybody in there, everybody in the world can give you advice. Everybody's got advice. Like they've got an asshole. Okay. Yeah. They can give you advice, but it doesn't mean they know what the hell they're talking about. I mean, your, your mom could give you advice about being a note investor, but she's never bought a note. She can't give you good advice. What you want to do is seek seek counsel, seek from people who are where you're at, 
or, or where you want to be or doing the things you want to do. And that's the most, one of the most important things. They seek counsel, don't seek advice. Because we all have people in our ears. And if they're giving advice, it's, it's coming from their limited learning experience. A lot of times it's to protect us. You know what I mean? All you can't do that, which is really say, hey, we, want, we don't want you to get hurt you know, versus right. you can do it, you know, or, or go talk to this person. That's why coaches are so important these days. You got to find somebody who's doing what you want to do and, and listen to what they say. You know, that's, that's, the, that's the golden rule. Yeah, I wholeheartedly agree. I have a mentor from way back. Um, he used to call advice, add ADD, like as an adding hyphen vice. He said, people have enough vices. They don't need you to add more. <laughs> I like and I love that. I was like, that's actually good. I, yeah, I try not to give advice to people. I try to show them what to do or where to go or where to get resources. And I, I mean, I've been guilty of this myself. Um, some of my colleagues, I try to research and do things on my own. And so in recent years, I've really worked hard on being able to like go seek out the experts. Like uh, Ron Legrand, you mentioned, uh, I was at an event uh, two weeks ago where he was speaking. And uh, one, my one colleague, he uh, he just authored a book that Ron LeGrand wrote the foreword for. So that's one of the reasons why we were there. It was really a great event. But like, if you don't go out to those people, you don't reach out and be, first off, you have to be willing to give to them first. You also got to make sure it's worth their time. Um, but if you don't, you're, you're just kind of left, you know, with your hands in your pockets, trying to figure it out on your own. And I mean, I know you have a strong marketing background. That's your thing. But like marketing is a college subject. You can spend six years learning about marketing. Like, do you really want to spend that time to think you could do it on your own? Or do you want to find someone who's a successful marketer or a copywriter like Dan Kennedy is a huge one, like, and, and learn from someone's already doing it well. Like, mm -hmm. yeah, you have to. Yeah. That's, that's honestly, I would, I would probably tell that to myself as well. Like, don't, don't try to do everything by yourself. Well, that's the thing. And, and we could, we could, we could throw back to Ron Legrand and Ron disappeared off the circuit for a couple of years. Yeah. Cause back in, I mean, he was sick uh, and he's recovered from prostate cancer, but back in 2008, he, he's, you know, 40 years as a real estate residential junkers, you know, handyman fixer, stuff like that, wholesaling options. But he got ahead of himself and started buying, getting into the commercial space, but he didn't have good counsel. When it came oh, to yeah. it, he, he put people that his, his coaches in charge of commercial projects that had never done a commercial deal. And, and he was trying to do things creatively. I'm like, ah, it's a commercial space. You're going to have, if you want to do this, you're going to have to sign on a dotted line right. and, and make some things. And he had a lot of these commercial deals that just blew up and, and bad things. And he literally had to go learn, okay, what do I have to do? What, how did I make mistakes from here and learn from it and go from there? So even, even the best in the industry run into issues and you've got to learn to pivot and, uh, you know, seek out those that are doing. I mean, I love what you and my ex-wife uh, worked with autistic children. She was a board certified right. beha behavior analyst, and yeah, you and parents going through that—that's a stressful situation because all your oh, dream, yeah. all your dreams of your kids have gone away, and now you're just trying to have quality of life. And you—that's a major. It's, it's a. It's a. It's almost like a death. It's just survival at that point. Yeah, exactly. And then on, through each day. Yeah, and that's uh, unfortunately we have a lot of that happening in the United States right now. People are struggling. They don't want. They've been laid off or not working, and they're struggling to figure it. And so they have that fight or flight mindset going on. That lizard brain versus being able to sit here. Okay, I need to go find somebody and realize I need to start putting the stuff in now, right. and and doing it. You know, versus yeah. trying to just do stupid stuff. And you know, as they always say, the best time to plant a tree was twenty years ago, and then the next best time is today. So, yes. you know what I mean? With the marketing aspect of things, just start planting those seeds today and it'll pay off in the long run for you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's, that's crazy. So let me ask you this. Uh, so what does your morning routine look like? <laughs> you want to remember four AMers? No, no, I'm not a four AMer. No. <laughs> Navy SEAL style? Uh, yeah, no, no. I mean, I, I'm usually a night owl. I'll be up till one, two o'clock or something like that. You know, I, uh, but I usually am up by nine o'clock usually the fact that you work for yourself makes it but i get up alarm goes off 8 30 i get up make sure the cats and our animals don't eat eat my leg because they're hungry you know what i mean uh make some coffee and then one of my favorite things when the weather is nice is i'll go sit up my back patio here in my backyard and just kind of 
kind of relax, take a deep breath before I dress the day. Um, a lot of times I'll listen to Tony Robbins and, and do some of his priming in my head and approach that the approach that day before I ever check email. I don't check email till usually noon, you know, 11 o'clock sometimes earliest. Uh, if it's an emergency, I look at my cell phone and, and for text messages, but most of the time it's like, okay, what do I have going on today? Who do I, what am I doing? Uh, I don't take meeting. I don't take meetings before 10 o'clock and then it's just, then it's rock and roll. And so it's that morning. And then I usually will take a little break in the afternoon for about an hour. Um, and kind of same, same thing, walk outside, get some fresh air, relax a little bit and then come back. And I'll usually work till six, seven o'clock at night in a lot of cases. So I work a little bit later than this is earlier, but the whole point is unwind, <sighs> relax. And, and you, it takes a, a lot of stress away when you know what the heck you're going to do. And then, you know, at night before I log off for the day at seven o'clock or so, I'll look at, okay, what do I have going on tomorrow? What are the big rocks I got to get taken care of? And then I sleep really good, sleep really comfortably. A lot of people, when they don't know what to do, they sleep restlessly because they're worried about what's going on, what they need to get accomplished. Yes, totally. And I suffer I, from that a lot. <laughs> well, and here's the thing: get rid of your to-do list. You know, I'm I, I'm not a big fan of to-do list. Yes, there's things that need to get done, but I'm a bigger advocate of big rocks. And every day we try to figure on one, two, or three as we saw big rocks. These are going to be either income generating activities. Or, okay. or capital raising activities. And marketing is falls on both that side. So it's either us reaching yeah. out to, to bankers, doing a podcast, reaching out to investors to fund our deals and, and going that route or closing on a trade or close selling, selling an asset. And so that's the thing is everything else like balancing your checkbook or you know, you know uh, taking the trash out, that can be done minimally. You don't need to put that on your list because well, a lot of people, we we hypnotize ourselves and think we got a lot done when we do a to-do list. And you know, mentally, we see this list of these three big things we need to get done. And we got all these things that we got done. So we, this false sense of accomplishment. Oh, we got 20 things done today. Well, really? Did you? You really did? Did you? Are you any further along? Did you make a sale? Did you close on a deal? Did you make some offers? If you didn't do that, yeah. if you're not accomplishing things towards your goals, you're not really moving forward. You're, you're, you're lying to yourself and you don't want to lie to yourself. So that's why we always try to focus on the most difficult things, get those out of the way, and then we can fill the rest of the day with with things that aren't the most important things to get done. It's like being a hamster on a wheel. Like you're doing yeah. things, but you're really not getting anywhere. You're getting your, your, your chores done, sure. All right, fine, you're getting your chores done. That's good. Yeah, but I mean, we, but you can, I mean, here's the thing. If you look at your, your daily schedule, and this was something that was instilled in us, um, look at your daily schedule. There's Everybody has 24 hours a day, seven days a week to get things done. Look at your schedule and look what you're really doing. And I guarantee you can squeeze an hour a day to do something. If people say, I'm too busy to have anything done. Well, I guarantee you probably sloughed off and didn't, didn't get what you needed done. Focus right. on getting the, the most important things done. And then you can slough off after, but you also see more. It's kind of like the whole thing with the, the military. They start off with making your bed, right? Yeah. Make your bed first. It starts the day off with an accomplishment, which sets you up for success. If you don't know what you're doing or have no direction or start off with a failure, your whole and that's why a lot of people when they run into a failure, it seems like bad things happen after again because they their their mind is in that oh I screwed up oh something else bad happened oh what was me, and it's like a domino effect. Whereas if you start with something good or something positive, it can have a whole different outlook on your day for you. Yeah, definitely. Definitely, I started doing that a while back. Um, making my bed in the morning when I get up. Um, when I first heard about it, it was at Navy SEAL doing a speech. Yep. Um, I can't remember the guy's name though, but he was a uh, very, very powerful speech, and very inspirational. And but, it's, it's, it's got a best-selling book. I think it's, it's titled Make Your Bed. I think it's one of the... It's, it's the yeah, it's I think, yeah. I don't remember his name though offhand. It's, it's driving me nuts right now. What I did, I made my bed. And when I came home from work, because I was working at the time, like when I came home and it was time for me to go to bed, like seeing a made bed before I got in it, I don't know what it is about it, but it was a psychological, like, oh, this is nice. I don't know what it is. It's, it's just like, it, even though I went through the rest of the day doing what I had to do, it just felt good to see a made bed when I was ready to go turn in for the night. Exactly. Well, it's uh, it's uh, William McRaven is the author of Make Your Bed. Yeah, he was a, a Navy oh, yeah. SEAL, I believe. Yeah, or you, Admiral, uh, Admiral, I think he's what he yeah, was. Yeah, Admiral. Yeah, McRaven. That's it. Yeah, that's yeah. 
Yeah, he was. <laughs> I, his speech was very inspirational to me. I, I loved it. He went through a bunch of things that people should do. I recommend everyone go ahead and look it up. It's on YouTube. You can yeah. find it and listen to his whole speech. Like, listen to it. This is coming from a man who's done some pretty incredible things. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I got a couple of questions as well. Like, so we got some of the personal questions done. And some some bonus ones more related to to marketing, and then one. Well, you and I talked about before, but I, I'm going to tie that on the end. So uh, what are some of the biggest challenges you faced in your business when it comes to marketing and branding? Mm. You are very big on that, but were, were there challenges and what were those? Yeah, I, I will tell you, yeah, back in, here, here's, so yeah, back in 2009, 2010 in the, in the heyday, I had a couple fix and flips that the market I'd bought at a discount that were now upside down because the market crashed, right? Like a lot of people. And, right. I, and I didn't know, I'd just gone through divorce, had just stopped at a partnership that ended and then was dealing with these assets. And I was like, I just got to get out of these. These are like albatrosses. They're literally like anchors pulling me down. So we were able to get rid of those two investment properties. And then I literally just sold, I said, I got to get out of stuff here in Austin. And so I sold everything that I own, basically. Even I had a garage sale and it was going to move in my brother. I said, I had just taken a little bit of time to re regroup, you know, what's my goals, what I want to accomplish and make things happen. And I said, okay, let me just, let me just start sharing what I'm doing on a daily basis. Maybe that will help. And so I started a blog. Uh, I said, I need to make, I need to make some money. I need to make hundred K this year. I said, well, let me do a hundred. Let me start a challenge of hundred K in hundred days. And I, I was like, I'm just going to share what I'm doing to try and make hundred K in hundred days. So every day I would write a little blog and a little video about what I was doing. And by day 55, I was inundated with so many deals and I had to stop doing the blog because I was so busy that I ended up making the hundred K in 75 days versus a hundred, hundred days. And that's incredible. That, yeah. But that's the thing. I think a lot of people come to the point where like, I, I, I got money. I need, I, uh, I, I need money. I need to close. And I was like that. I was like, I, I couldn't pay my bills, but let me just start sharing where I'm going. And people would like send me deals or they say, I got 25 or 50 grand to invest. This looks like a good deal you're sharing. Let me jump on and, and, and partner with you. And so that was one of the, the things is if you're going through hell, just start reaching out to people, start sharing what you're going through. Cause a lot of people are often like, Oh, you need help. And, and let's, let's stop. You know, I, you got a deal. Let me help you. Um, and then it was kind of funny is I started sh sh sharing what I was doing and I said, okay, let me get out of Austin for a little, let me get a, little, a fresh start. I said, I've got the time now I'm divorced. Okay. Uh, I started making a little money from this. I said, let me think about what, what do I like to do? I said, well, I'd love to go to all the major league baseball parks. And you know, one, of my, one of my biggest goals was always to go to all 30 major league baseball parks. And so my mentor, one of our mentors, I said, write your goals down, write it down somewhere, right? So I wrote my goals down. I said, okay, the start of the 2009 or 10 season. And it was, it was February. It was actually so, wow. Now I think about it, like literally right about this time of the year. And so I pulled up ESPN and I said, okay, what's the, when did the Rangers open up and when are they Houston? So I plotted this 30 week trip across the country to hit every major league baseball park, just in theory. I even put it in my calendar, who the team was playing and the days for it. Well, over the next couple of weeks, uh, it was funny. I was putting, uh, you know, videos up and blogs. I was like, man, I'm not seeing a lot of traction. You know, one viewer is kind of just disappointing. Well, all you need is one viewer in some cases. So I started getting phone calls from people said, Hey, we saw your blog about what you're doing. We saw your video. Would you, can we use it in our blog for our real club? I'm like, yeah, sure. Go right ahead. Okay. Like, well, would you like, and they're like, would you like to come speak? I'm like, speak. Uh, yeah, sure. When, when, when do you want me to come speak? And they're like, well, we, we got these openings and I looked at my calendar and it lined up perfectly with when I would have been in that city to watch a baseball game. And so literally, <laughs> so as I always say, it's like divine. You never know who's watching is when you share stuff. That's so marketing, like people get just, you know, like I don't, I don't see a lot of feedback. I'm not getting opt-ins. I'm not getting people to respond. And we all go through that. But I was like, okay, done. So I literally, like I said, I'd already sold the most stuff. I said, okay, let's do this. So we planned, we went out on the road and what we thought would be 30 weeks of traveling turned into three and a half years, almost four years of nonstop travel. And it wow. led to us kind of building this, grassroots effort where I'd be speaking in a meetup group or I would be meeting with bankers in, in, in Florida or Cape Coral or North Carolina and looking at their portfolios. 
And so that was one of the most important lessons was like, listen, just share it. You may get 10 views, but that it may be that one view is what you need out there. And it's, it's really easy to give up, um, give up. Oh, this isn't working. You got to give stuff time for seeds to take place. And so like that time back in 2009, I was in a really bad spot mentally and, and things. I was like, I just got to get out of it. And I, I think it comes back to, um, I had a good chance to meet Mark Victor Hansen back then. Um, and you know, uh, he's the author of Chicken Soup for the Soul. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and he had, uh, I had some tapes, you know, cassette tapes, you know, so I was like, okay, let me listen to him. And he had the series that was, I would listen to when I got really in a bad, bad mindset. I would listen to it, you know, when I was driving or I'd just go sit in my, my truck and listen to it. And I'd be in a better spot. And I got a chance to meet him last year, two years, actually uh, 2020. And now we're actually good friends. And I shared with him, I said, Mark, I said, there was this tape series back in 2009 that you had, and it really got me through a rough spot. And it, it helped me do that. And he goes, you know what, Scott? He goes, it's, it's funny you think about that, but if this is the tape series that you're talking about, I was in the worst spot myself when I shared that. Wow. And it, me being able, trying to coach myself and help others get through bad spots, helped me get through a bad spot. And that was one of the most powerful things. I was like, okay, I just got to share what's going on. And even no matter what kind of crappy mood I'm in, I got to smile and, and share something, add value out there. Because like I said, you know, the idea of things going viral these days, it can happen. But most of the time, you just need your core of sharing and, and listening to your warm tribe of people you're connected with. And you never know who's going to share it or see it and, and just be a complete difference maker, not only in, in your life, but also in their lives as well. Yeah. That, that's very powerful. Like I've noticed that myself when I, when I got started into this space, um, yeah, I didn't do very much marketing because I don't have experience with it, but I started talking about what I'm doing. Um, there was a real estate meetup that I would attend every Saturday at seven before COVID. And it just so happens. One of the guys that would come to that meetup was on the board of directors for my local RIA. And they had no note people that he knew of. So he was asking me questions about notes. And so I would, you know, I would share with him. And then I can't remember how many months, I think it was three months ago. That he said, hey, I want you to be, oh, it was November. Yep, it was November. He said, I want you to be on a panel. We got some note investors coming up and we want you to be on a note investors panel for our main meeting. And they just asked me to start speaking. Um, very similarly, the same meetup. Uh, there was another guy who was on the board of directors for ARIA based out of Philadelphia. And he said, hey, I'm doing some stuff remotely with some RIAs in, in Ohio. Would you do a note presentation? And I'm like, okay, so now I'm being asked to, to do things. And all just because I'm talking to people about what I'm working on and, and what my current goals are. And people will pitch in. And, and the same thing happens if you're going through a bad spot. If you're going through a bad spot and you share what you're going through, people will rally behind you, uh, especially today with uh, things being so digitally connected. Like yeah. There's really no reason why you can't just share it. It might be a stranger, but it'll be someone for sure. Yeah, and exactly. Not, well, let me ask you, what, is, what do you think in terms of marketing and your experience in real estate is a like the biggest mistake that people get into with marketing like just mm. into it. so oof. so they think it can happen overnight that's the thing is that i can just start doing this right now i've, I've got a a, a friend and a client of mine that she spent all this money on a show that's coming out online and stuff like that and i'm like well what do you have do you, where's your where are you sending people to okay you know do you have a website i'm like no she goes like no not really like so you filmed this whole show without giving a place for people to connect with you, you know, and these days you got to have a website really more than everything else. And people just don't bother a lot of times like, Oh, or, or they'll create a website, but they won't go out and create any content that'll send people back to them. And that's, I think it's one of the biggest okay. mistakes people make. They, they go get, they go pay some company to put a website together and then they just leave it at that. They don't go out and post on LinkedIn. They're not appearing on podcasts. I think podcasts is such a great way. To, to get your message out or just work. And then there's so many real estate investing podcasts looking for content or marketing. Uh, you know, I'm on, on one after this as well too. So just, you have to realize, embrace the suck. Okay. You should put a hashtag, embrace the suck. You're going to suck at it. Your first couple episodes are going to suck. Your first couple posts are going to suck. I have to give a big shout out to my, my second another Stephanie Goodman. Stephanie is actually working on a, uh, 
I've been a big pet advocate. She's been my VP of operations for years, but she's got a passion for helping uh, animal parents, you know, cat lovers and dog lovers. And she's put, she's wanted to put on, she's been, I had a goal for three years to put this summit on. She's finally doing it. Oh, wow. That's excellent. And she's like been scared of video, but now she's realized, wait, this isn't as difficult as I thought it was. Oh, there's this cool tool I can use to do a selfie that can read off what I'm saying, the teleprompter app. And so she's Mm -hmm. totally embraced it. And it's just, it's a beautiful thing. I'm like, listen, just embrace. It's going to suck the first few times. You can always go back and delete those, but let's just get the word out. Um, People want everything to be perfect before they send an email or post a, a video or something like that. Screw perfection. Perfection equals broke. Um, delivered equals success here's the thing we all have smartphones right we've got like i got my iphone here version 13 or whatever it is version 13 if apple or steve jobs had waited to send the perfect phone out they never would have delivered the first iphone and there's always software true they got to get it delivered and so i always say if you're writing an email get to send the damn email if you're doing a video, just shoot it and upload it. You always can get better and hone your, your craft. And that's that's the most that's another one thing. People are like, oh, I'm gonna start a website, but I'm gonna or I'm gonna, it's gotta be perfect. Well, nobody gives a rat's ass about perfect. If you come out of the gate looking so perfect and honed, people you're actually gonna turn people off because, like, oh wow, they've been spending, I can't do what Scott's doing or what she's doing because she just looks too polished. And just just get the get send the email, hit upload. That's one of the most important things you can do. <laughs> It's so funny. It's, uh, we were literally one of the guys of my, so I have an accountability group that I'm a part of. We meet twice a week, sometimes even more over Zoom. You know, we, we share goals. We hold each other accountable. If you haven't met your objective for the week, like, hey, what's going on? Do you need help? Or are you just being lazy? Like, what's up? But yeah, I, I'm see if I can find it. He said a similar thing that you said. He, he said perfection is like will make you broke. But it's so funny that I'm hearing it twice in the same day. <laughs> yeah, that's, but it's true though. Like action is more important. You can always adjust as you go. Uh, a colleague of mine helped me with writing a, a, like a small primer book on note investing and what notes are. And he said, here, he gave me a bunch of things to do. He said, just do it. And we can fix it. We can modify it. We can make it better later, but get it up, get it out there, start sharing it with people. <clears throat> Excuse me, I'm going to drink water. But um, <clears throat> yeah, it's, it's, it, nobody sees what's the, the, what's not posted. I mean, you can have all this great knowledge in your head and experience, but if you're not sharing it in some important <clears throat> fashion, it's you know people aren't going to learn from that. And that's that's always been the thing. We are such a wealth of information, but unfortunately, Vulcan mind melds don't work in this world society. You know what I mean? Yeah. Not <laughs> a thing. Not a thing. So I mean, I think we've we've really covered. For a lot today, I want to ask a couple more questions before we close out. Um, I want to hold you up too much longer for your your next podcast. We're but, good. Uh, are, We're good. What are three books that you would recommend to our audience? So the first one I would recommend is Tribes by Seth Godin. It's an easy book. I'm actually looking at a copy of here in my bookshelf right now. It's it, okay. it books about how that we are all a part of different tribes, whether it's our work tribe, our PTA tribe, or neighborhood tribe, or family tribe, and tribes out there are looking for leadership. And in the absence of good leadership, they'll go the loudest voice that could be completely wrong, but they go, you know, look at our political system. A lot of our politicians <laughs> yeah, are, right. are not, are not good. Yeah, exactly. But it's, a, it's an easy read talking about, hey, you, are, you should be the tribe leader. If you are doing something, it's, it's okay to step up. People are really looking for leadership. And if it's not gonna be you, who should it be? And, and that's the, the first okay. book I would recommend, easy to read. Second book is a little bit more in depth, um, it's Outwitting the Devil, written by Napoleon Hill. You've probably heard I, of Thinking. I, I have that on audio. I love it. It's such a great, Thinking Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill and um, co-written by Sharon Lecter. So actually, okay. uh, Napoleon Hill wrote this book back in 1938, but it was never published. It was actually, his wife wouldn't let him publish it because it's him having a conversation with the devil. In 1938, they would have locked him up. You know what I mean? Had yeah. psychologists like you come to interview him, you know what I mean? But what it is, it's basically him sitting down and having a conversation with the devil asking, how is the devil successful from keeping people from reaching, uh, reaching their full potential? And he says, you know, the devil says, well, we just cause people to drift. We put mm-hmm. shiny objects, you know, shiny object syndromes or squirrel where they're distracted. And the people that are the most successful 
are the ones that are more, more focused. They say no to these things until they reach their full potential and accomplish some things. And so I was actually, Sharon Lecter is a friend of mine. She's the co-author of Rich Dad, Poor Dad too. So she's, you don't know. Um, she was saying that when the Napoleon Hill Foundation brought it to her, I don't know, 10, 12 years ago, she didn't want to really tweak it too much. So she went back and added just you know, a little paragraph at the end of each chapter, a little bit thinking and, and communicating what she thought Napoleon Hill would think of in today's world. Okay. And so it's a gr great book. I think it's a must read for every entrepreneur because we all drift. We all get that, you know, multiple shiny oh, object syndrome, sure. you know, so that's number sure. two. I'm, in the show notes, um, I know when I heard it, I didn't read it. I, I listened to it on YouTube. There's actually somebody who narrated it in two different voices. So it's, it literally sounds like a conversation between a guy and the devil. And it's great. And I sometimes while I'm driving or whatever, I'll put that on my, my audio and just listen to it. Yeah, That's I think everybody should, everybody should listen to that one. And then um, the third book, man, there's so many good ones out there, but I would probably go back to uh, The E-Myth by Michael Gerber. Okay. Talking about, uh, especially The E-Myth Revisited is, I would say, you know, Think and Grow Rich is also a great one, but I think the E-Myth Revisited by Michael Gerber talks about how we as entrepreneurs, we wear three different hats. And it's right. that, ju that juggle aspect of things. And if you can delegate two out of the three hats, you'll find a lot of success. Oftentimes, we as entrepreneurs, we end up becoming the, the person in charge of R&D or we're also in charge of customer service. Yeah. When our true blood is on, you know, going forward and, and creating and innovating, and a lot of entrepreneurs, we drop the ball, we're, you know... I'm guilty of this. We're all guilty of dropping something if we're trying to do it all ourselves. And unfortunately, most of us as real estate investors, we're control freaks. You know, it's hard yeah. for us to dele delegate. Yeah. But the more you can delegate to, to, to staff or virtual assistants or partner with people or align yourself with people that are good at your weaknesses, you'll find success a whole lot faster. So that would be, you know, the E-Myth is, is definitely something I read on a regular basis. And uh, I would throw jab, 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 right hook in there as well if we need a fourth one. By Gary yeah, I'm gonna have to read both of those. I haven't read the E Myth or the E Myth Revisited yet. Um, I've heard of it multiple times. I just yeah. got sidetracked in other other books and things like that. So I'm definitely in jab jab right. Was it jab jab right hook? Jab 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 right hook. Jab 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 right hook. Yeah, because I'm a big fan of Gary V. I like his. I like that the energy he brings to things. I like his philosophy on a lot of things yeah. as well. Um, the yeah. funny thing is, like watching videos of him he still goes like um to garage sales like on the weekend he, he and his son go out to garage sales even though he's worth so much and he has all this this internet fame like he's, he's going out to garage sales making deals and bargaining with people well because he, he likes the side hustle and, and i think part of that honestly more so than anything else is he's just showing his tribe and out there hey you, there there's opportunities around us and right. And I, I've said that yeah. before. Gary, if you're a real estate investor, go to garage sales and talk to the people putting on the garage sales because I guarantee it's probably an estate sale of some sort. So somebody's passed on and they have an asset they're looking to move. Or B, it's, it's, we're starting to see a repeat of what happened in 2008. It's becoming a garage sale economy where people bought all of this stuff, toys mm. and trinkets when the good it was good. But now that they've been laid off or other things, they need to sell their stuff to pay their mortgage. It can be an opportunity yeah. for finding finding subject to deals or potentially distressed debt as well that you take over. That's a really, I didn't even think about that. I, I, that's a really good point. It's crazy. And, and if you take your, your spouse, they think you're just having fun out looking at stuff and spending that time together, which is good, but it's also a prospecting thing. So now you can write off the mileage as you're driving around <laughs> looking at these things. <laughs> get your accountants in order, everyone. Get your accountants in order to make sure that you're writing it the right way. Yeah. Uncle Sam will take everything you got. <laughs> So uh, what are three podcasts you recommend? Obviously yours, because you have a podcast, right? Yeah, you know, we've got three podcasts. We've got the Note Closer Show podcast, which is, uh, okay. I think our seventh, we just recorded our 700th episode, 1.2 million downloads. Um, right. Note Night in America, which is our weekly Monday night webinar. That's a replay out there for you. So you can listen to them anywhere. And then we have Note Camp uh, podcast, which is basically, it's a replay of our mid-year convention with our speakers and we've got a, a weekly episode coming out from last year's conference that lead up to when we have it in June, but uh, business lunch by Roland Frazier is one that I listen to is a really great one out there okay. for targeting entrepreneurs and business owners. It'd be great for your audience. Um, and then um, the hustle and flow chart podcast with uh, 
My buddies okay. Matt Wolf and Joe Fear, they're big on digital marketing and tools and software to help you with your your marketing business. So uh, yeah, I mean, uh, podcasts are great. I love them. It, uh, I think it's becoming the calling card of like having a book to give away yeah. these days in the podcast. But just stick with it. And, and I want to throw something to your listeners right now. Hey, you guys, you're listening to this. Do Scott and the co-hosts a favor. Go over, hit that subscribe button. And then where you see leave a five-star review, leave a five-star review. These guys, we as podcasters, we love hearing from our audience. And anytime we get any type of, you know, audience feedback or what you liked or hear from you, it, it, it gives us a nice little warm feeling in our hearts that you're listening out there. Because sometimes it feels like we're talking out into the void, but when we get those reviews and subscribe back. So hit that right now while you're listening on your favorite podcasting platform. Uh, th- thank you for that, Scott. So uh, last question, where can our listeners find you online? Yeah, easy one. It's just going to weclosenotes.com. That's our main website. You'll find our podcasts, our classes. Um, I mean, if you Google Scott Carson, the note guy, you'll find a lot of stuff too. But if you go to weclosenotes.com, that's the main mother chip of a channel that we have out there. And then if you're interested, guys and gals, um, in learning more about note investing, I've got a one-day class that I'd love to give away to your audience. We teach a, a class every third Saturday of the month called Note Weekend. It's normally 99 Note Weekend. Normally... Uh, 99 bucks. If you type in the code Scott, when you type it, uh, go into sign up for it, we'll give it to you for free. And you don't have to wait till the third Saturday. We'll send you the replays, the most recent one, and you start learning more about notes and non-performing and marketing, uh, all of that. So noteweekend.com, special code is Slack. Or it's not, not Slack, Scott. Scott. <laughs> excellent, excellent. Thank you so much for coming on. I hope everyone out there, you'll go ahead and, and take them up on that offer learn about notes. This is one of my favorite subjects in real estate. Um, it's, it's where I put the majority of my money in my investing. And like I said, Scott Carson has been a big name for a, a long time now and has a lot of really good quality information out there about notes. So please check them out. If you don't type, we close notes, go into Google and literally just type Scott Carson notes and it'll come up. It's that yep. simple. He's yep. right there, rank right on top of the charts. And get right into his information and start learning more about him. Yeah. So, uh, thank you again for coming. I'm mean, really, really honored that you would come on to talk with us today. I'm, it was very, very uh, touched and grateful for that. Hey, Scott, thank you for having me on. Always glad to help out and uh, look forward. Anything I can do for your audience or anything out there, please don't hesitate to reach out to everybody. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll send you a recording as well. So, you can go ahead and use Perfect. the recording yourself and say, hey, I was on the podcast. and. You can Glad do, all to do that. that. Make sure. Oh, yeah. Working it out. Perfect. All right. It's got good talking with you. Thank you again.